This is Pat Soundbites Unplugged. Unplugged. The podcast where all the artists go to tell it as it is. Careers, music, tours, and more. And here's your host, the man that refuses to eat squid, Pat Calamari. Hey, welcome to Pat Soundbites Unplugged Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Calamari. Thanks for coming for the ride today. I'm super excited to announce that we are over 100,000 downloads well in one year, eight months, and a bunch of days. Can't thank you all enough, 600,000 listeners throughout the world. Somebody likes what I'm doing, and I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing, providing the best content and ideas and interviews and new music and tours and updates for all these amazing artists, independent, nationally known, worldwide known throughout any country. There is so much good music out there, and I am all for new music, as you know. All I ask is uh, don't forget to go to my YouTube channel and don't be shy to hit the like on my videos and the subscribe button. That would mean so much to me, but thank you for over 100,000 downloads. Well, here's a good one today, episode number 155. Well, he's a singer, he's a songwriter, he's a musician, and I also said he's an actor. He's Andre Como, um, and Andre's been in a few bands here and there. Uh, he had a band called Rain Dance, and he had a, a band called River Rogue, and uh, now he's put out a single, and it's called Clean Break, and it came out actually on April the 9th, and it's available on all digital outlets, and it's a pretty cool song and a great video, and I did a Zoom chat with him, so you could obviously go check that out on my YouTube channel or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. All really good stuff, but you might just recognize the name if you were a fan back in 1992 of MTV, and they put out this, well, as Andre calls it, or they called it, a documentary. It's called The Real World, and Andre was in season number one. So how cool is that? Like the first really reality TV show. And here they recruited uh, seven really diverse individuals with different backgrounds and brought them to New York City and let the cameras roll. And uh, it's really the first reality TV show. And they just did the homecoming where they bring all seven back and bring them back to that same loft down in Soho off of Broadway in New York City and let them hang out for a little bit and reminisce and talk about where they are today and what they're up to. Like Andre just uh, released this uh, new song. So all really good stuff. We talked to Andre about his love for music, how it all got started and uh, being in this uh, reality TV show and what advice he would give to others. He does uh, share that uh, this is just one track of a new album that's uh, pretty much already done, will be released on September the 9th. So I'm looking forward to that and talking about tour dates and a, a, and a bunch of good stuff. So sit back and enjoy the ride. As always, I always say live, love, and laugh a lot because life is way too short. Enjoy Mr. Andre Como. Hey, this is Andre Como, and you're listening to Pat's Soundbites Unplugged Podcast. 
Hey, live on Pat Soundbites, IGTV, keeping new music alive on the radio and on video. And I got another great new track getting ready to put on our rotation. We're going to play the video. We got a cool guy here, singer, songwriter, musician, maybe even add actor to it. You might know him from, well, if you go back to probably 1992, when this show called MTV was out, this handsome young guy was on a show called the real world and it was season number one i'm talking andre como how are you andre real good pat thanks for having me oh man super cool to have a guy from real mtv real world oh my god before we even get into all of that andre uh thanks for your time you're in la i take it or are you uh, over this way i'm in los angeles cool. Been here for a while now oh man well good for you you look great the track is called Clean Break. We're going to play the video. Check it out. Buy it. It's on all the digital outlets. You're going to love it. It's really cool track. I believe it came out Friday, April 9th. I'm a little just backed up, but it's all good because there's a lot of great new music out there. As you know, I'm the new music guy. Anyway, Andre, before we get into all this great stuff, um, I like to start from the beginning. How did you find your love into music? Uh, family? Uh, Obviously, you're yeah. too young for the Beatles in 1964 watching the Ed Sullivan show. Um, but talk to me how uh, how you said, hmm, this might be a career for me. Well, I grew up in a very musical family. My um, my mother's family, her seven brothers and sisters uh, had a family band um, <laughs> and, and they were on Capitol Records. Wow. Uh, the the Beatles own label and we're on all of those same uh uh variety shows, the Ed Sullivan show, Mike Douglas, David Frost. What they, was the name? They, they were called the Primo family, and that's her maiden name, Primo, um, Italian uh, uh family out of Detroit, Michigan. And uh yeah, I mean that I grew up on the road with uh with this uh, great musical family, a wonderful, uh, wonderful environment. And, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, musical is literally, uh, you know, my very first memories are, are of being on tour. You know, they would tour with the likes of, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't exactly a hip rock and roll thing. It was more like they would tour with the likes of Robert Goulet and Doris Day and, and artists like that. Um, uh, uh, much more, you know, vocal jazz almost uh uh but but you know they would do uh, uh arrangements of Beatles songs you know they had like uh, various pop arrangements that you know would would be in their set um but you know it, it's uh it wasn't even a matter of um do you know when I was growing up they, they, it was not a matter of do you want to play an instrument it was <laughs> what instrument do you want to play and you're not what, getting a Tonka truck you're getting a uh, guitar or a drumstick <laughs> And lessons and lessons. It was about activities and lessons. And I started on piano when I was six years old, um, then went to drums at about nine and then went to guitar at 13. And I've been playing guitar ever since. Cool. And then obviously you, you, uh, you know, in school continued. Did you play in school, the band? Oh, of course. Of yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. You know, bands were everything. I get you know, because primarily, uh, even though I had, you know, a lot of uh, musical training, I've been a singer my whole life. And, you know, you had mentioned the Beatles. Well, my first icon, my first, you know, uh, uh, star, I was an Elvis fan as a kid. Okay. 
loved Elvis Presley, worshipped him, was crushed when he died. (laughs) You and everybody else. Yeah, no, I was crushed. I was seven years old and just, you know, cried for three days. Um, uh, uh, And so, um, uh, you know, so so I've always been, you know, singing in bands and and uh, actually, you know, my high school band um, uh, was pretty much Raindance, which was the band that was featured in um, uh, uh, On the Real World. You know, that same uh, core group of, of people, Dean Fertitta, Bob Nick, and myself, um, uh, we, you know, uh, met with um, two brothers, Pete and Dean Ballard, um, in Detroit and formed Raindance out of that. But, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Raindance was, uh, you know, there was the same band that played the high school talent shows and uh, all of those same kinds of things. I've been playing with uh, playing in bands with Dean Fertitta since I was uh, in grade school. How cool is that? And I talk about Detroit, man, the influences that come out. I mean, you talk about Alice Cooper, Bob Seger, Kid Rock, uh, Smokey Robinson. I mean, the list goes Hotel. on and yes. on. Ted Nugent. I mean, uh, the uh, it just goes on and on. So what a great what a great diversity that you had musically growing up, as you mentioned. I mean, my mother, I probably got the album when my parents passed away. I got all the albums, you know, Robert Goulet and all sure. and big bands and uh, just leading on to everything. What did your, I mean, uh, so obviously, um, you know, you have seen how the whole music industry has evolved compared to growing up and, you know, mom and dad and the band touring all over the place and now, you know, now we're into the digital world, Spotify and Zooms and what? I'm like, what, what happened here? But uh, you got to deal with it firsthand, huh? I did. I did. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, 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 you know, the industry used to be much more supportive of bands and, you know, uh, there was that sort of infrastructure that existed. And, uh, and honestly, you know, um, it, it, when, um, when Raindance, uh, uh, back in about the mid '90s, we signed our first publishing deal with Warner Chapel. It really, um, um, <clears throat> in it, uh, I was uh, uh, sort of introduced to um, IP, uh, internet, intellectual property, and uh, music publishing. And uh, you know, I realized the importance of it. And I, you know, now I have a, a music publishing career. Um, it's what I do in the in the daytime is I, I work for, uh, you know, um, I do film and TV for a music publishing company. Wow. Cool. So, so, I mean, it's very, you know, and it's really the only stable area of the music business left. I mean, right. Music sales are not uh, they're non-existent and um, record labels are are very much a, um, a thing of the past. It's it's really just about the intellectual property, the uh, copyright and um, and trying to monetize that uh, the, the those copyrights. I mean, that's what's left. And how sad is that? And you mentioned film and music. I know so many artists that have been interviewing that are really pushing that way, hitting you know producers. Hey, you need a track that sounds like this 
here, I got something. You might not get the, the A track that you want, but, you know, and I know people making money out of it. So, yeah. That's what I do. I mean, that's what I do five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. I And, and you know, m- my catalog has uh, music from all over the world, over 150 countries and over 100 languages. Wow. Um, you know, we, uh, uh, we represent music from... Uh, every corner of the world. And, and, you know, that, that international music is so important to film and TV. It really does set the, set the scene um, uh, and give that sort of um, uh, legitimacy and uh, um, uh, you know, that, that, that the thing that, you know, really uh, makes the, it makes the, uh, the overall uh, scene uh, for for film and TV. It's very important, and, and it's crazy. More and more bands are selling their catalogs to uh, publishing oh, yeah. companies or labels or whoever. And uh, I reached out to an artist, a, a good friend of mine, going, "You just sold everything for twenty five million. I know you weren't on the road for a year. Is this a good thing?" And he said, "Yes. Not only is it a good thing, he goes, remember." As our band, we're all songwriters on uh, the, on, uh, on all the hits. So we're always going to get the royalties. But it's crazy that you watch a commercial and you hear a song and it's like, why are they playing this song for, you know, that that product? But it's I remember, I think I want to say the first one was maybe Aerosmith and Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks and everybody just boom, boom, boom. It's like a oh, common absolutely. trend anymore. I'm like, Bob wow. Dylan the catalog for $300 million. Wow. I mean- I mean, that is, you know, that's the idea. I mean, and then you got to let's face it, um, because as we just discussed, the uh, uh, record business is no longer uh, the cash cow that it once was. Uh, They they really have to, you know, get in there and and, uh, sell while you can. I mean, um, it's it's so funny that, you know, we we grew up in an era where, um, you know, that would be considered selling out in many instances. And uh, there are artists that have have you know fought against um, uh, uh, having their music in in film and TV uh, advertising specifically. Crazy. I mean, what brings uh, you know what what pops in my mind is Tom Waits fighting um, uh, uh, Frito Lay for for hundreds of millions of dollars because they used a sound alike uh, because they couldn't get um, Tom Waits's actual music and and he won his lawsuit and has never allowed his music to be used in that context. But, you know, nowadays, let's face it, I mean, there's just so few avenues to get your music out to a mass audience. And uh, and it's really important for, especially for an up-and-coming artist to... Um, uh, get their get their song on a video game or a, uh, a movie or, or TV show that can you know really um, uh, uh, put it out there in a in a in a way that you know uh, an independent artist just couldn't be able to reach that far and um, so it's a, it's a it's a useful uh, a tool nowadays and and um, I, I you know I have no qualms about you know having your music. Um, uh, put out there, uh, even associated with a product, you got to make your money. Right. And I mean, there you're, I mean, how many billions of millions of streams and the artists get like three pennies. I'm like, you know, this is ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. Wow. Well, that's interesting. And, um, but before I keep my, my mind's telling me about the primos, any big hits from, uh, mom and dad in the band that we, <laughs> that we can recall. 
you know, no, they, they never had any big hits. They had a, they had the album on Capitol. They had uh, some, some singles and uh, you know, it's funny. They, the, um, I believe it was the wrecking crew that played on the album, you know, these huge names, people that went on to, Oh my God, Glenn Campbell and that's uh, right. Glenn Campbell uh, played on the record. Carol Kay on bass. That's right. What a great documentary. Amazing uh, artists that, that played on their album. And it's uh it's uh, no, but but no hits to speak of. Well, still, they gave it their best. They out there, they, they loved doing what they did. You know, it wasn't yeah. about the money. You know, who would ever think? You know, you talk about labels. I would say to artists, man, you signed with Capitol back in 1975. Had to be the greatest thing. And when artists finally got into my small brain cell and said, you know what a label really was back then? And I go, I don't know. I thought it was a great thing. It's really a bank bank. that loaned you money to go tour, to pay for studio time, to get on a bus. And if you didn't have that number one hit after you got done doing 300 shows, you were part of the flock and somebody else rose to the top. And before you know it, and you didn't make any money because you were stupid enough, drunk, drugged, whatever, signing a contract that you didn't even know what you were signing. And I'm like, you know, I'm not a musician and I'm a fan, you know, going, oh, shit, excuse my French. <laughs> I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. So I, I've learned a lot over the years about and now I get it. If I see it even more. And um, I'm, that's why I do what I do. I loved I have the passion to do what I do because I know I'm making a little bit of a difference that if I'm playing it here in New York, there could be somebody in Alaska or wherever that falls in love with Andre Cuomo and clean break. And you know what, if it, if it works, it works. And that's all we can do, but that's, that's insane. That's pretty cool. Have you had uh, being on before we get into the whole real world thing? Have you had luck with your own music in movies and films? And I have actually, sure. I've had some, some significant placements, some, uh, uh, you know, um, one of my uh, uh, one of my tracks was used on a on a car commercial a few years back, and um, uh, and uh, some you know various. Uh, you go, uh, hey, wait, that's me, that's me, that's the, <laughs> play it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting, definitely exciting. I got to meet Dave Bickler, and Dave was with Survivor, the voice of Eye of the Tiger. Oh, great. Back in 1982, who would ever think, you know, Sylvester Stallone says, I need a, he really wanted Queen. Uh, and, and he made a phone call and uh, got together with Jim uh, Peterick out of Chicago, great songwriter. And they came up with Eye of the Tiger. They got a chance to watch the video and all he kept seeing was, uh, you know, the punching. And he came up with his dent, dent, dent. And, you know, being on a trial movie, a soundtrack of that magnitude and Survivor 19, or, I had a Tiger 1982 number one hit that we still hear today. Sure. And, uh, Dave ended up going to uh, Bud Light commercials, the real men of genius, all those commercials. Hey, Mr. Taco, right? Taco Bell, you know, whatever you are. And he was the voice behind that. He actually went on tour with uh, Bud Light, going to different stadiums. But, Hilarious. Uh, it's, Hilarious. Pretty, it's pretty cool. Then, yeah, 1992, you get into real world season one MTV. I mean, um, you're what, 20, 22? That's right. I just turned 21. Did you audition? What what were you thinking? Hey, TV, I'm in a band, exposure. 
<laughs> Maybe love. So, who knows? Exactly. So I'll tell you what. What happened was, you know, I was my band had uh, moved from Detroit to the New York area. We we had a house in New Jersey. My sister worked for EMI Records in in Manhattan. Um, wow. was living in Manhattan, and uh, the casting director was going around to where young people worked, uh, record labels, magazines, those kinds of places. And one of her friends recommended me to the casting director, gave uh, gave the casting director a copy of my album and uh, some pictures and things like that. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, they, they called and, and asked me if I would like to come down and meet them uh, to participate in um, a documentary style television show. I mean, That's remember what they the, called it a documentary. Well, of course, this, this was prior to reality TV. This right. first real one, world, really first real world, real world was the first modern day reality TV show. So yes, it was never, it was not a thing before we did it. So that's exactly what they called it. A, a, a documentary style television show that would feature your life, your real life and, and, you know, your, your love life and your music life and all of these aspects of your life. So I was like, 20, 21 years old. Of course, I'm all in. Yeah. of course, I will do it. Show me of pictures of the girls. Yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I uh, jumped at the chance. Um, and, uh, you know, we shot the show in um, February of 92. And um, it and we shot for 13 weeks. And we did not see any of the footage until the very last week that we lived there, they showed us the first episode. And at that moment, I was, you know, both excited and terrified because it wasn't exactly um, uh, as I had imagined it. It was very, it sure it was, you know, it was filmed like a documentary, but it was edited more like a soap opera. And, um, and so it, you know, although they didn't really fabricate any of the storylines, no, no, uh, uh, blatant untruths were were told. Um, it was edited in a way that may or may not have been a hundred percent accurate, and so um, uh, that was difficult to grapple with at the time. You know, being portrayed differently than you had imagined it, or had um, uh, uh, you know the way that you saw it happen, and the way that the rest of the world is seeing it. Um, you know, may not be exactly the same. So it was it was a difficult thing to deal with. And and I um, I know that the band also had a very difficult time with uh, being portrayed um, in that in that same light. I mean, it wasn't um, it wasn't always the best vehicle for for uh, uh, music. Um, and at the time, 1992, uh, you know, the, the top, the, the top of the world was Nirvana and oh, Nirvana was very anti-establishment, oh, yeah. anti-corporate culture. So it wasn't a real cool thing to be so closely associated with, um, with, uh, with an MTV show, but we made the most of it and we, you know, toured incessantly recorded three records and, um, uh, uh, you know, did, had our publishing deal and, you know, we, we made the most of it. And um, we, uh, my dog's growling at me. Um, and we, um, you know, uh, uh, broke up in 97, at which point I moved to Los Angeles um, and uh, started my career in music publishing. 
Good for you. Well, and then the music supervision that that whole world. Paramount Plus is uh, did the old homecoming back to New York and uh, came out on March the fourth, and you got to reunite with your six other, uh, well, friends, I guess. Uh, that you live together and cameras on. Did the producers ever say, "Hey, you know, Julie and you need to fight"? Or you know, oh no, 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 it was never, just never let it go. Whatever, whatever it was, it was right. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that um, I can't speak to the subsequent seasons of my show. It's uh, we because we were the first um, cast. We were, um, I think, you know, we were treated a little differently in 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 a good way. Um, and uh, we were never asked to participate in anything that wasn't that didn't come from us organically. Um, and so when we came back for the reunion, of course, they, they knew that we would be, you know, completely against any sort of meddling. Uh, <laughs> That's for sure. Or any kind of, you know, manipulation or anything like that. I mean, they, even the even a whiff of manipulation like that would would just you know, ruffle feathers. So they, they knew better than to, um, than to do any of that. Uh, so, so, I mean, you know, it's what you see is what happened. Um, we shot again, uh, uh, this, this time we shot at the beginning of, uh, of 2021 in January at the height of COVID. Ah, um, and, in New York. Uh, uh, in right? New York. In, did you know you were going back to New York? We knew we were going, we flew, I flew into JFK um, and uh, quarantined in Manhattan at a hotel for two weeks beforehand, tested for COVID every day, sometimes twice a day. Um, But we didn't know that we were actually going to be living in the loft, that same original loft until they dropped us off there that, you know, uh, with the cameras rolling and said, you know, here we are, everyone's inside, go on in. Um, and that was great, you know, sort of uh, 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 seeing the same building that we lived in so many years ago. Um, and uh, it, it added to the nostalgia of it and um, uh, uh, definitely brought things that changed, but things, not everything, you know. Was it good to but, see everybody? I mean, oh, obviously. It was, great. It, was, it was great seeing everybody. I, I, we get along. Uh, very well for the most part. Not everyone, but um, uh, the the vast majority of uh, the majority of us, you know, we're we're very close, and and you know we've stayed close. We um, uh, had a we have a running text thread that we keep each other uh, informed of our comings and goings. You know, any any significant life achievements, Good. we'll be sure to you know share with each other. And uh, and being that you know I live in LA, which is very much a destination city. Everyone sooner or later comes to Los Angeles, and I always make it a point to see them when they're in town. I travel to New York rather often, and I make it a point to reach out to Kevin and Heather who. They live in the New York area, so I mean, we've definitely kept in touch over the years, and uh, and and yes, so it was great. Yeah, it's everyone. part of it's a new, it's a small part of a, a family that you like a, another band or a baseball team or Correct. high school group, uh, whatever you want to look at it. It's a reunion, and you keep in touch. And I did see a couple of them have released records. I don't, I wasn't familiar with everybody. Um, 
on this show and I really didn't pay much attention to it. I know I watched it like everybody else because it's the first one. And we're like, what is all this about? You know, now we got the Osbournes and now there's so much stuff out there. It's crazy. But I well, think that, um, first cast, that first cast, they really did. Um, uh, they, they got a bunch of artistic people. And so there were um, uh, a few musicians, um, uh, artists, uh, dancer, um, and, and so, you know, they were all very creative people, author, writers. Um, so yeah, the, you know, there was a, a, a creative bunch and, and we went through, uh, something very unique and shared a very unique experience. So we have that bond and, uh, uh, we, so we have remained close. Yeah. You always have the bond and you were always the first and, uh, MTV was so big back in 81 when it first started. And uh, it was the TV show that everybody watched. You, they never knew they were breaking ground into so much things at the time. So uh, good for you. Uh, two more questions about it. Any regrets? No, no regrets. I mean, I, you know, I would say the only regret I have about the original season is that maybe I was a little too reluctant to give my opinion or reticent to, you know, sort of share things about myself, um, you know, maybe a little too cool for school at times uh, uh, and not as, you know, uh, I, nowadays I would insist that I just jump right in the middle, in the middle of it and get in the mix. Yeah. But that um, comes with maturity. I mean, again, you're 21, right. 20 years old guy, years old, you're, that's just, right. you're just ready to kick the door down and you're young and ready to bark and bite and whatever. Now, 20 years later, you're going, Ooh, I ain't saying that. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. What advice would you give to someone if uh, they said, I want to be on that next reality show, Andre? Well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, would we watch The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, all this. I don't, but there's all this stuff going on. What advice would you give? About, about today's reality uh, TV shows? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. tough one. As far as advice, I would say, you know, the best thing to do is just to be open and honest with yourself and to um, uh, speak from your heart and just to, you know, not um, not hold back. Be yourself, right? Just be, be yourself. yourself. You That's know, right. not everybody loves us. Not everybody agrees with us, but we are who we are. And that's, that's what makes us who we are. So, all right, now we got to jump into this great music thing. Clean break. Boy, we all need a clean break. Uh, <laughs> that's so relevant today, Andre. Uh, and I know you've had, uh, you mentioned River Dance and you haven't mentioned River Rouge, right? It was more of a folk. Well, I mentioned Rain Dance, my, my first band. Rain Dance, River my, Dance. My, my, the band that I formed in the early 2000s was a folk band because I kind of walked away from rock music for a while, for a time, and started more of an acoustic-based folk band called River Rouge, um, which was, you know, very much influenced by, you know, uh, uh, well, certainly starting with Bob Dylan, who is my hero um, uh, from a songwriting perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but definitely more uh, along the lines of, you know, Americana, country roots, old blues based stuff um, very much a throwback um, to that, that earlier sound. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was all acoustic. I, we had, you know, uh, I played acoustic guitar, lots of vocal harmonies, mandolin, banjo, 
Um, and uh, we didn't have a drummer <laughs> for a long time. So it was, a, it was, a, it was almost a, a sort of a folky bluegrassy kind of um, uh, band. And uh, we released many records. Um, but it, right around 2015, I wrote a couple of songs that were undeniably sort of rock songs that I just couldn't, no matter how hard I tried, I really couldn't make them fit the folk band. Um, so I put together a rock band to flesh them out so that I could record them. And we recorded them and they were, you know, they were great. And I found was- this EP, Wrong Within, that you signed with Dave and uh, Tom from uh, EMP. And that that's was right. more obviously heavy. That's more metal rock, right? Compared, compared right, to the right. Bob well, those, Dylan thing days. That's <laughs> right. Those those songs appeared on that on that EP. Um, and uh, one thing led to another where that, you know, the, those two songs became many more songs. And we, we were like, let's let's play a show. This feels really good and got such a great crowd reaction. So uh, that became the dominant musical endeavor. Uh, uh, and I put River Rouge on indefinite hiatus. And and I, uh, you know, it was it was a real um uh, it was it was an organic and and uh, 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 sort of natural progression getting back into the rock music. It it's something that I loved. Uh, you know, I grew up on a steady diet of rock from Detroit. Michigan. I mean, you started with Elvis. I mean, <laughs> rock and roll, baby. Right. So. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, it was uh, it really felt good to get back into. You know, I I hadn't opened up i hadn't cracked open the case of my les paul for years Ooh. and uh so really you know turning it up to 10 and uh uh letting that you know and you know playing rock music uh i'm using a different range in my voice you know uh, sort of setting aside that more dylan-esque sort of half talk vocal uh delivery now i'm i'm you know using my high range of my voice again. And, uh, and that is very exciting. And, and I, and, you know, quite honestly, I can still bring it um, uh, vocally uh, the way that I, I could in my, in my younger years. So it was just great to, um, to be uh, using the, that instrument again. And, and so, and, and so, you know, it just felt great and the audience loved it. And, and so it just was a natural thing to just have that become the dominant musical direction. Well, good for you and clean break. You you do bring it and it's great. And I ask you who else is the, the musicians in the video. Um, but uh, what did I just wanted to ask you? Something slipped my mind. Uh, vocals. You got incredible vocals. Um, not just something I just wanted to ask you. It just slipped my mind. Well, anyway, clean break is a great track. Oh, um, songwriting. Is songwriting therapeutic for you? You mentioned you were looking for something you know, some way of getting these songs out and you use it, you, you look towards music. Obviously you grew up with it. It was it therapeutic to get them out, get them out of your head, put lyrics on them and musically get them out. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've always, uh, you know, I've, I've always uh, written songs and, and it's important to me. I'll always write them. Uh, um, I would say that uh, uh, no matter, no matter what I'll, I'll continue to write. Cause it's, just it's what I enjoy doing. And, and uh, as I've said in, you know, interviews for the real world and, and other things, I do this for me. Um, it's, it's, it's selfish. It's, no. I do it because I enjoy no, it, you know, and that's, it's, 
That's selfish. Uh, it's all you. <laughs> right. Life is too me. short, brother. That's we got to right. do it. We got to do it now. And you got to put a smile on your face. And you've been smiling since we hit the record button. So it's all good. What's the story behind the track Clean Break? What are we breaking away from? I'm a lyric guy. I want to close my eyes. I want to try to interpret what you're thinking. But that's what's great about music because everybody may have a different interpretation of a song so that's right everyone does have a different interpretation and I, and I really like to keep it that way i don't really like to spell out what i okay what i mean in my lyrics always but that you know i will clarify some things you know the the chorus is from my good senses i've made a clean break so good, <laughs> good. so i mean that's the uh, uh that's the chorus of the song uh but i do like to give to let people make their own connection yeah, to absolutely uh, rather than spell it out in so many words what i you know mean and that's and- why we love music you know <laughs> I can be saying, this is what I mean. Somebody goes, I think it's that. But you know what? It's, it's, it's whatever you want to make it. As long as you love it and you sing it back to the artists, there's no better feeling. That's cool. Who are the other gentlemen on, on in your band there, uh, Andre? Well, thanks for asking. I'd like to start by saying, you know, the, the, the song is um, produced by my drummer, um, who is a great music producer as well. He's a great drummer, a guy named Darren Alpant. And it's uh, we record in his studio. He produced the EP that we uh, recorded in 2020, recorded this new album that's coming out on September 9th. Ooh, um, nice. uh, and that's the, uh, 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 the song Clean Break is the title track for the new record, call, also called Clean Break. Um, Darren produced it with me. And um, uh, uh, we have a, a great bass player, a guy named Gary Wicks. Um, and Gary is, uh, uh, this is his first record with us. Um, and he's just a phenomenal uh, musician. Um, and, uh, and we're using the, uh, uh, unlike the last record, which was just a three piece, um, this new one, we've also incorporated the uh, uh, a second guitar player, um, uh, a guy named Steve Dawson, all of whom are East Coast, uh, uh, you know, expats. Um, uh, Steve is from uh, Manhattan, uh, born and raised in Manhattan. Um, Darren is from Long Island, uh, New York, and uh, Gary is from Boston. Um, so, you know, we all live out here in Los Angeles now, but we have this great East Coast connection. Um, you know, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, but I spent, uh, uh, you know, most of my 20s in New York. In and New York, right? <laughs> broke out of New York. So I've definitely got that connection to New York as well. And I, I'm, we're, we're very much looking forward to uh, uh, playing some shows in uh, New York and on the East Coast. Yeah, uh, come on down, brother. We got to get great. you to roll the dice. I like the <laughs> idea that it's an album. I, yes. mean, I, I get a lot now digi- digitally from the publishers or management or the label. But boy, do I miss going to a record store and tearing it open and reading the liner notes and who produced it and Me too. lyrics and I mean, that, that you, you can't. I mean, my kids think I'm a nutcase when I pull out an eight track and a cassette, you know, like, what, what, what is that? But, you know, that's the experience. That was half the experience is really scouring the liner notes, reading the lyrics, 
you know, looking at the big artwork that that big oh, the album cover, the album cover, the big beautiful representation of the artwork, uh, uh, and then the you know the additional artwork, the back of the album, the inner sleeve. Remember the the oh, uh, that the vinyl was kept in all that great information. Sadly, that's you know uh, uh, kind of lost uh, in in the. Um, in the presentation of, of the album with the CD and now digital downloads and, and stuff like that. We're going to try to make that, that material available online um, with the artwork and uh, uh, all that, because, you know, honestly, it's the, um, uh, the physical uh, copies, you know, they're, they're uh, uh, as much as I would love to make um, those physical copies it's just, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's a matter of like, okay, I can spend X amount of, of dollars, you know, putting all of the, you know, that all of our resources and make 2000, you know, copies of the vinyl, which they would sell, but you know, it's uh it's, it's literal where, where are you going to sell them? And it's, you know, know, that, that presents a whole other set of, of, uh, of issues that, you know, you really got to be on top of. So um, uh, I, I, but I love the artwork and I love all of the ephemera that, that oh, uh, the whole, record uh, album. Trying to represent here behind me <laughs> with a little that. picture of clean that. break, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, it's all about live shows and you ask any artist, it's all about getting the merch out and going to a live show and it's hit or miss, you know, do I spend the money and get, now we got, you know, 10, 1080 gram and it comes in yellow and blue and, yeah, I mean, but you got to see if it's it's all worth it. And a lot of most most artists, I think, are going to getting a couple CDs and seeing how that goes, mm-hmm. and watching the Spotify numbers and seeing if people are interested. It, it's it's crazy. I I will use all our audio here today on my podcast, and I have a worldwide podcast, and it just. I, I, the analytics alone is like France is my number one country, and I'd never, you know interviewed an artist from france but i love that it's crazy i mean in today's social media world i mean i'm up to ninety-eight thousand downloads and it's not even been two years so that's for me people are gonna listen to our our little podcast our little audio here andre and wherever it takes us it takes us and it's it's all good who would you want to open for we get on tour who's uh who's a perfect fit for your music andre well, yeah, I mean, I would I mean, love you need, to, you need to you need to fit right. You can't. Yeah, well, sure. I would love to, you know, I'd love to play uh, in front of bands like um, Rival Sons. That's oh. a great new rock band. Uh, the Struts. That's another great new rock band. Love yeah, the you know, Struts. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, but I would also love to play for more established uh, in front of a more established rock band as well. Any, anyone really uh, that, you know, because uh, at this point, I'm just trying to get my songs out to as many people as possible. Um, you know, get me, uh, uh, get me an opening slot on, you know, um, in front of anyone really, you know, uh, uh, as far as, you know, in the rock world, um, you know, the, there's so many great festivals and, um, uh, you know, outdoor uh, sheds and things like that. But yeah, the, the, the new rock bands that I would like to, you know, tour with would be, I, I think that uh, Rival Sons are, oh are uh, 
a real good uh, uh, would be a real good fit. Excellent band. And I got to see the struts open for the Foo Fighters. And I'm like, oh, my, I'm looking forward to seeing the struts again in October coming down into uh, the city in Irving Plaza. Andre, it's been a pleasure, man. I, I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I have. Where can everybody find it? Um, clean break on all the digital outlets, Andre. Uh, your website. I know you're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, anywhere else that we can uh, get our listeners to go to. Yeah, that's right. You can find me at AndreComoMusic.com, Andre Como Music at Facebook, um, on Spotify, Andre Como. Um, and uh, everywhere else. Also, you know, look up uh, River Rouge that we had. We released four records uh, in the uh, 2000s. Um, and, uh, you know, Raindance released three records in the 90s. So there's a lot of music out there that uh, I've been uh, making. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. So You're smiling uh, and I want you to keep doing it. And I can't wait for September 9th for the album release. And I would want everybody to buy that. Cause the thing is, as I tell everybody, Andre can autograph the album, but he can't autograph a Spotify digital thing. So buy the album, Andre, a pleasure. We're going to rock a little clean break on our station and as much as I can do. And I hope I have you back on when the album is just about going out or any tour updates. My door is always open for you, my friend. Thanks, Pat. The pleasure was mine. This is the real world right here with Andre Cuomo and great new music, keeping it alive. Time to play a little clean break right here on Pat Soundbites, IGTV. Go and buy it now. <laughs> 